Salutations listeners and welcome back to A Culture of Algorithms. My name is Omar and you're listening to a podcast that takes a look at our media consumption, the culture they produce and the societies left behind. And this week, as the temperatures reach soaring heights of 28 degrees here in England, as football is played on the television, as we see cricket being played in our stadiums again, I'm reminded of the people who love these sports so much. And this time of year, with barbecues, with flip-flops, with days lost to the beer garden, I'm talking about dads. And so this week, we ask a question. Is there a war on dads in popular culture? To some long-term listeners, it might sound like a strange question. After all, we still celebrate our Hank Hills. We still celebrate our paternal papas, such as Homer Simpson and Phil Dunphy. However, if you're in more reactionary circles, this might seem like a question which has a slam dunk answer. The new Rugrats, for example, has rewritten Betty DeVille as a gay single mother. Now, for context of those who watched the original back in the late 80s, I believe, in the early 90s, uh, Betty DeVille was the mother, or is the mother, I should say. She still is the mother of Phil and Lil, those are the twins. But looking at the announcement, it seems that a lot of controversy has been caused. On one camp, we have the diehard faithfuls from the original saying that Betty was always coded queer. Didn't you see it? You couldn't you see it? She was wearing this pro feminism merch she was struggling with her marriage her marriage didn't seem to be all that happy and fulfilling for her and so now as time has gone on the writers have been able to take the step that they always wanted to take they wanted to make betty this openly queer character and mark let's say a, a change in attitudes towards um, gay people in 2021 that wasn't present in the 80s and 90s on the other end, we have people saying this is an outright attack. This is the latest in a string of attacks on masculinity, fatherhood, and male figures in pop culture. And that by erasing Howard, that is Betty's um, husband in the original series, by erasing Howard, they are att- they are erasing another figure, another male figure for men to look up to and to see themselves represented in popular culture. Now, admittedly, this debate has forced me to reflect as a media practitioner, one thing we are keen to, well, take note of is representation in our media productions. And in our media texts, we understand that people internalise the messages which we may place in them and regurgitate them within the actualised society that they may live in. And so today, I'm going to take some time out to consider and reflect on our paternal papas, as I said earlier, of popular culture. And I'm going to pay mind to those Hank Hills, Homer Simpsons and Phil Dumphys and assess the debate truthfully around dads in film and television in order to answer the latest, you know, cultural war question, as it were. You know, is there actually a war on dads? Now, this forced me to do some research. What do other people think about dads in popular culture? So the first thing I did was look at bad dads in popular culture, because surely... If there is an erasure of dads generally in popular culture, there may be bad examples of what fatherhood and masculinity may have looked like previously that we can now look out and reflect on and say, hey, look, we don't want to you know, replicate these representations in our media text today. And so rather than um, re- recreate these negative examples in our media culture that people then internalize and regurgitate, Let's get rid of them altogether. Maybe that is what happened with Howard and, and Betsy. Now, rather than looking for Howard, an example of Howard specifically, I have instead had the pleasure of finding this article by David Fox, which reads, The bad dads from popular culture set the bar too low for real fathers. And in their opening 
paragraphs, they talk about Darth Vader. You know, they say it's probably Homer Simpson, the world's most famous fictional dad, or maybe it's cartoon counterpart Peter Griffin, a cynical owl Bundy from Married with Children, clueless Ray Romano from Everybody Loves Raymond, or the modern family man-child Phil Dunphy. Now, let's not even get started on Darth Vader. Now, the question is, why are all father figures presented to us as bad fathers in one way or another? Now, of course, no parent is perfect and everyone makes mistakes, but most fathers we see on television run the gamut from thoughtless and lazy, if well-meaning, to downright negligent, and Homer Simpson runs across the entire spectrum during the Simpsons' decades-long span on the air. It's no surprise that the examples I mentioned, Darth Vader aside, all come from comedies. It's funnier to watch a hapless man-child screw up and then make amends all within a neat 30 minutes than it is to watch a perfect father know exactly what to do and say and make everything okay with a click of his fingers. I understand that. But good-hearted, fair-minded, competent characters can exist in comedy. Why are they hardly ever the father figures? It's important that we have some, because whether we realise it or not, the bad dads we've been fed by popular culture have set the bar for so many new fathers. Even subconsciously, they are the yardsticks we measure ourselves by. Now, the article goes on to talk to some extent as to the difference between the reality of fatherhood and the comedic portrayals of popular culture dads that were referenced sooner. And so I thought, well, let's take this bar one step further. What is it to be a good dad? And who are the good dads in popular culture? And that took me on to Teen Vogue, of all places, funny enough. And an article by Ella Seron said that before the internet was alive with the chorus of dad on your favorite celeb Instagram account, there was a good old dad himself. You know, the one you could probably talk into getting pizza for dinner most nights out of the week. But whatever lessons you learned from your dad, whatever father figure you have in your life, you've likely turned on your TV only to find a mirror image offering a weak dad joke back at you. Yes, the sitcom father is alive and well, but they're more nuanced these days. Ahead, find 14 of our favourite pop culture dads from reality TV mainstays to throwbacks who may well have helped raise you too. And so they list Homer Simpson, someone who in the previous article was cited as a bad dad. We then go on to Andre Johnson Sr. from Blackish. We have Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights. We see Danny Turner from Full House. Phil Dunphy from Modern Family. Again, someone else referenced as a bad dad. We have Caitlyn Jenner from Keeping Up the Kardashians. Um, Louise Huang from Fresh Off the Boat. We have Mac McGuff from Juno. We have Kanye West from Keeping Up the Kardashians. Keith Mars from Veronica Mars. Maurice from Beauty and the Beast. Cameron Tucker and Mitchell Pratchett, again from Modern Family. We have Sandy Cohen from the OC, Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince. And what we see here is clearly an overlapping of what a good dad and a bad dad is. However, with the idea of nuance being what bridges the gap between the two. Again, in this list, we see genres of comedies span to reality television. We see cartoons span over an overlap with minor characters. It's, it's a very much a jumbled list that makes me question what is it that we're looking at dads as figures in our popular culture and what are we taking from the messages that are, are laid in within them because surely the same character cannot but simultaneously be a bad dad and a good dad if the idea that that the truth lays somewhere in the middle and that dads are humans and are therefore imperfect where are the battle lines being drawn in this culture war on dads in popular culture so, in the sake of fairness, I looked for a tiebreaker article, and that took me on to today, where an article written by an unnamed author, they wanted to honour 20 dads in popular culture, 
And that's, they started off their list with Walter White from Breaking Bad. An interesting case, I must admit, because, well, it's hard to say a, a man who deals drugs and deliberately gets his family endangered by cartels is a good dad overall and who's repeatedly begged to stop selling drugs, continues to do so for his own personal gain at the expense of his family, was an interesting one. 20 was Tywin Lannister from Game of Thrones, someone who explicitly hated his son and to a certain extent wanted him to die. It was another interesting dilemma. Then we have our first, I'd say, actual good example of a dad, Michael Bluth. And say here, in his, in his little bio underneath, there's no doubt Michael Bluth's a family man. After all, he spends season after season supporting his semi-delusional siblings and parents. But it's his relationship with his son, George Michael, that really showcases his dad's best like dad qualities. He's protective, encouraging and loving, even when everything seems to be crumbling around him. And to a certain extent, I agree. Michael Bluth is one of the, well, most well-meaning fathers in television. Even as a comedy, he attempts to communicate, something which is ultimately very frustrating to watch a lot of television shows when characters fail to communicate very simple truths and entire episodes manage to spin out from it in terms of drama and suspense. But Michael Bluth tries his best. He's, again, not perfect, and there are some seasons where he's a little bit of a better dad than others, but, you know, everyone has their good days and bad days. We have Bob Belcher from Bob's Burgers, an interesting one here about a cartoon head of the family, always embraces the wacky and weird character traits of his wife and kids, while still seem being super tolerant, supportive and loving. Sure, he flips his lid once in a while, but most of the time he can be found busting his butt making ends meet, that's a pun there, for his family of five by slaving over a hot burger griddle all day. Bob is dad goals all around. And I admit, I'm not entirely familiar with Bob's Burgers, but Bob seems to be a pretty fair dad. He's a loving father and his children seem to turn to him whenever they have an issue and he seems to be there to support them. And so I took that. Then on 16, we have Frank Costanza from Steinfeld. Now, I have no idea how you managed to get up on this list. Even the little bio underneath admits that Frank was the absolute worst. Then we have um, Sandy Cohen from the OC. The article says that there's no doubt Sandy Cohen, who raised lovable geeky Seth while welcoming troubled teen Ryan Atwood into the family's home, is Newport Beach finest dad. So he says here that he nails parenting with giving far heartfelt family advice. He sets up to the Christmas 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 tree, which is Christmas and Hanukkah, or preparing bagel breakfast. As his wife Kirsten noted, he's an artist with cream cheese. Plus, he has the best eyebrows. It's a sign of power, which are inside jokes. But here we have someone who is not only willing to raise his own children, thank God, but is also willing to raise the children of others from more well, less advantaged backgrounds. And for that. We admire Sandy Cohen. We then go on to Raymond Barone. Now, Raymond is an interesting character, I thought, to find this list because everybody loves Raymond. It's one of the, the, the funniest, dysfunctional, functional families you get to see on television. And, well, while he might be clueless, as it says here in the article, when it comes to helping out around the house, don't get me wrong, he is useless. There's never any doubt about his love for his kids, for his three children, sorry. Whether they're trying to help his daughter sell cookies or win an argument with his son's school, he'll always support his children, usually in the most hilarious way. And to a certain extent, it's true. Whilst he may not be the best husband, he is definitely a father who tries. And so he somehow makes the list at 14. We have Tony Soprano. I think this goes back into the Walter White dilemma of, well, mafioso um, father. We're in Homer Simpson. And yeah. Uh, Homer Simpson seems to divide the line as good or bad dad, so we're going to skip over that one. We then have Steve Brady from Sex and the City. 
seems to be the on and off again a romantic partner of Miranda Hobbs. So here we go. We go into the we're not entirely sure on his credentials as a, a partner. However, he's always there to stick around and deal with Miranda's cynical ways and shows up for their son Brady no matter what. So even then we can see that this is a father who works in a, a non-traditional um, family unit and is still there to support his children. So again, get pats on the back. We then have Johnny Rose from Shit's Creek. Now this one was a little bit of an interesting dilemma. Um, he's an optimist and Johnny Rose is a dad you want your by your side when things get rough. Shit's Creek is a, a pretty funny well, television show in which, from my understanding, every single scenario in which the family go through is because of his fault. And when I say his, I do mean Johnny Rose's fault. So whilst he is um, the reason of all their troubles, he does seem to try and get them out of that. And he is an optimist, so much so that he is a little bit delusional. So I'm a bit bit skeptical as to why Johnny's on this list. But, you know, when when everything's going wrong around you, you kind of want that, that, that figure around you, that, that one who kind of got you here to be confident he's going to get you out of it. And so I guess he makes that list interestingly. We have Eric Taylor again from Friday Night Lights. And whilst they say here that he is not only a father to his own children, he's a father to the, the, the children on his football team, fundamentally. And he leads by example. We then again have Andre or Dre Johnson from Blackish, who seems to be here when they need serious conversations and levels with his children with some pretty powerful heart-to-hearts. He's also one who makes fun of them sometimes, and he has a great shoe collection. Not sure how that's relevant, but it's a nice little nod in the article. We have Danny Tanner from Full House, um and the one thing he loves more than cleaning danny that is his love for his children thankfully i would i would like to have a dad who loves me more than cleaning and whilst he runs a tight ship at home you know instilling those values of discipline and hard work he cares for his family and does anything he can to protect them we also have carl winslow from family matters now look carl would lose his temper a lot of the time if you ever watched that show however he used to put up with steve urkel's extraness as well as he did and that's that's true he was very accommodating to his his son and his son was trying to find his way a lot of the time in the most well if there was ever something that's called a sitcom urkel was the situations which brought about the comedy so to a certain extent we'll give him that we also have randall pearson now don't get me wrong this is us fans some of you may have issues with Randall in the, towards the end of the series, but Randall goes onto the list for his acceptance of his um, daughter um, Tess when she comes out and also navigating the difficulties of fostering. We also have um, Dan Kuna from Roseanne here. He seems to be the level-headed, easygoing patriarch from Roseanne. He's reliable and caring. His children always rely on him to crack a joke when times get tough and they, he cheers on his favourite team and he's, he's there when they need him the most. We have Philip Banks, arguably the most influential father in black television. And Philip Banks is also known as Uncle Phil. Whilst he is hot-tempered and he is a he is a judge and he does deliver the gavel of justice in the household quite fairly. He's stern, but he's he's straight with his children. He's very fair. And he lets them be them be themselves. Then we come back to another controversial figure, Phil Dunphy. And before we finish on Jack Pearson again from This Is Us with the number one spot going to this patriarch of the Pearson clan. He always swoops in at a perfect moment to help his children, uh, also known as the Big Three, feel accepted and loved for exactly who they are. He champions self-love overall, while still showing up for his family wherever they need him and giving them the insurmountable amount of unconditional love. And so much so that, that Jack pre dies for his children 
and that is what well, spoiler that shouldn't be a spoiler but jack essentially dies for his children and i think that's probably arguably the, the ultimate sacrifice which a father can do for their kids so now that i've established the i guess social appetite for good and bad dads what constitutes a good and bad dad I thought it would be wise to go back to the roots of this podcast and look at the academic literature on the topic. And what I managed to find is that there isn't really a decline in father figures being represented on television. It's a little bit difficult to then argue that there is a war on dads when really the raw numbers are pretty much the same. Now, this obviously is a bit of a a straw man of the argument that there is a war on, on fatherhood because they aren't necessarily arguing that there are less dads on television but that the type of representation being shown to us isn't of the same quality that it used to be. So I revisited the three articles and what I managed to find is that there is a difference certainly in how fathers are depicted, what the expectations of fatherhood are and to what extent these people fulfill an imagined role. And so I managed to split up the the difference between, I guess, the old and the new school school dads. And I say old school would be the people like Uncle Phil or Mr. Soprano, I'm going to call him for now. And the new school would be someone like Phil Dunphy. And when we remember in the first article that Homer Simpson seems to straddle the line, the entire spectrum between the two, we also get to see the age of these, these shows playing a part as well. Um, Homer has been around since the 80s and um, now in 2020 or in the 2020s I should say uh, Homer is still the dad of the of the the show of a series that hasn't really aged if that makes sense however the the social appetite for what they expect the Simpsons to be has and so Homer has has changed ever so slightly with the times and we can see this reflected in in the shows as well like I said earlier when we look at the older dads as it were the dads that were previously idealized as good dads these were people who were leaders you know they were were somewhat hard-headed but they were they weren't really active domestic servants let's say these were the breadwinners these were the people who were so convicted quite often it was potentially to a fault these were disciplined characters characters which seemed to have um, an ethic to them that was i guess it transcended the the situations in which they were they were in you know if someone had disrespected them they were going to fight tooth and nail to get that that respect back or at least an apology whereas we see a comparison into today's dad's figures and we see leadership but it's, it's not so much you know hard my way or the highway leadership but it's more soft leadership you know um these are more caring dads potentially more dependable the word dependable and reliable comes up quite often they're also humorous and what i'm beginning to see here is that the the idea that there is a, a, an attack on dads isn't necessarily one in which dads no longer exist it's more that dads don't fulfill that age-old patriarchal function where they are the ruler of a household with an iron fist instead what we see in today's fatherhood is that soft power function being exerted where the family do rally around them or at least behind them and rather than previously cohabiting in a space in which they were the breadwinner and that was the end of their function they're now participants in the raising of children the upkeep of the home and the well-being of all of its participants and inhabitants and so what the war essentially argues is that we aren't looking at a a father who no longer exists like i said earlier but instead we're looking at fathers who no longer fulfill a function which is one-dimensional 
when we see fathers depicted in media whether they are in television or film we're seeing a dynamic to uh, a human in which they they care about the people which they care for and they want to be credited for their efforts in making the next generation of that family lineage better people so we revisit the question of this episode is there a war on dads now if there is a war i wouldn't say it's coming from the more progressive element of our society and media representation dads in our media texts are changing because well our society has as well today we understand that when a household has multiple parental figures participating actively in the upkeep of children and in their marriage the overall house happiness is higher than it used to be back in the 1980s and 90s so in arguing that there is a war on fatherhood truthfully we're looking at an older way of approaching the family unit and the home and domesticity as a way of attempting to reclaim a more backwards way to live and so in this war media isn't arguing or advocating for the abolishment of man and masculinity and fatherhood instead we're seeing it argue for an evolution of what we previously thought to be true in progressing our ideas and depictions of men and masculinity as being more dynamic we are allowing men to not only be breadwinners and that is the end of their function but we're allowing them to be funny people people who are loved and who are loving people who have a role in the home with children who can look up to them and look to them for guidance we have men who are dependable who are reliable who are able to rally people around them be charismatic instead of being a iron-fisted dictator we now have a diplomat one who is able to persuade the school to let their child off and get out of trouble as well as advocate to their wife that they deserve a pet llama and in doing so, we are able to see the ridiculousness in comedy. We are able to see the reality and difficulty of fatherhood in the reality show. And we are able to see the cartoonish effects of what sometimes is real life in our sideshow cartoon characters. So that's all from me today. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. To catch up more on the podcast, you can follow me on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Vero. You can find me as at Omar Aline. That's O-M-A-R-A-L-L-E-Y-N-E. You can also follow the podcast as at A-C-M-O-A pod on Twitter. And you'd want to keep an eye out. In the coming weeks, I will be hosting a, an event talking about deep fakes and it's going to be pretty interesting it's going to be in collaboration with Coventry University and so I wouldn't want any of you to miss it so uh, make sure to keep an eye out for those major events and you can do that by following me on social media alternatively if you want to reach out to the podcast you can send an email to a culture made of algorithms at gmail.com the name of the podcast at gmail.com and as always make sure to stay safe take care and goodbye